This episode of Agile After Dark, uh, we have our part one of our yearly wrap-up, uh, where we look at where and maybe why it all started, not in Boulder, but in Apollo 13 studio in the Heartland. Uh, we'll take some clips from the past episodes to see how we got here. Uh, this episode's a little bit longer, but uh, it's a good view into a lot of the topics that we cover this year, so we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Agile After Dark, the podcast that addresses agile topics not talked about in the light of day i'm your host greg adams woodford sitting here and with me today sitting over there is our co-host brandon gartley our resident nerd hey happy holidays greg is it holidays yeah it's holiday oh, times God. yeah I forgot yeah yeah and by we're, the way we have gifts for everyone we're joined again by who i think might be coming a regular on this podcast her name is jessica Gustolis. Well done, sir. Well done. Well done. That's a round of applause for you. Yeah. Yes, Gustolis. Jessica's Hi. with us again. We're so happy to have you. Hi. By the way, we're doing a different thing this we time, we Brandon. Are. We're going to recap our first year. Yep. Many of which of you outside of the... Are we up to 15 listeners? Oh, or? man. Well, uh, we, because of several of your, your hosts from outside of our normal network, we've got like 50. 50 listeners? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. And it's not just you downloading it over no, and over and no, over again? No. Okay, well, we got like some traction here yeah. going into next yeah. year, right? So yeah. we're going to recap our from the beginning to end, okay. not including the lost episode, the original lost oh, episode, episode that Mary Behind the Glass, Mary Behind the glass did not help us uh, record, but was very good. Um, I think we've made up for that over the course of the last year, but we're going to share some of the things that were good, some of the things that were maybe not so good. Yeah. Um, but we're going to review the whole thing, and uh, Jessica can comment on those things since she's new, um, and let us know what she thinks. Uh, we'll be, re I think, recapping some things, and then also um, commenting on some of the topics some of the comments, some of the suggestions, whatever it is, um, yeah. throughout the podcast. Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. But I'm actually going to force you to be the one to say the title of this podcast because this is one of my favorite titles so far. And oh, to God. hear you say it is going to just be, I think for me and Jess, such a joy. It's going to be a real treat. It's like, it's like a holiday <laughs> I've treat. been waiting for it's this this whole treat. time. <laughs> It's a holiday so, miracle. Is, is that, I mean, what what sort of persona am I using to do it? Because I could go Italian here. I could go. I mean, I don't know, but I'll well, I'll just I'll just try it and just give you my initial response. Okay. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Oh. A retrospective on perspective part one. <laughs> I think that is actually perfect. Nailed because it. Because he really did nail it. it. Because he did like the the hip hop at the beginning, and then yeah. the the nerdy geek part. Yeah. It was perfect. Greg's hip hop version. Yeah. Greg's hip hop version. Yeah. So yeah, Chuck D is not gonna be happy with that. Just no, no. Well, you know, my wife loves uh, Ice Cube, and that's kind of a, a playoff of an Ice Cube title. And you know, my wife is like Ice Cube. Like I just want to hug him, <laughs> but he also so scares me too. No, he can't scare you. Uh, well. He's a Hollywood he celeb was, he now. He's NWA. Like he has the scary parts. Law and Order. He's yeah. 
Did he say he's oh, a no, celeb? That's, no, that's Oh, shoot. That's, that's Ice-T. Ice I'm an idiot. Ice-T. Ice you have to take that out. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not taking that out. <laughs> no, you guys. Oh, <laughs> Have another that's drink, Jessica. Have you seen 21 you or 22 water? Jump Street? That's Ice Cube. Drink. <laughs> Just like in her water, Ice yes. Cube. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm an idiot. <laughs> as you said, Greg, uh, up to this episode, we've actually done 15 episodes. We started at the beginning of the year. Uh, outside of our now Apollo 13 studios. We're in Apollo 13, Greg. You know? Close the hatch earlier. Close the hatch. We're surrounded by our silver... Uh, I don't know what to call Dining? it. shroud. It's, it's yeah. sort of a capsule. It's, yeah. You know, it's, you know. It's, it's our home. Really. It's our home. It really is our home. So we've done 15 uh, episodes over the last 11 months. I'm going to pull my... Uh, uh, what was his name? The guy from uh, Leroy Jenkins. Anyone know the Leroy Jenkins thing? Yes. So Leroy Jenkins is the one that, the, that uh, World of Warcraft thing where you know they're all <laughs> sitting outside <laughs> in World of Warcraft, <laughs> waiting to like they're like talking to each other and blah blah blah. blah. And my my favorite part of it is not actually when the guy goes. Let's do this. Leroy Jenkins. And I was like, God damn it, Leroy. My favorite part of it was like, what's our actual probability of surviving? And it's like, oh, let me do the numbers real quick. It's uh, 2.33 repeating, obviously. That's that's what it so is. So you see 3PO? No. No. So what? No. So, what? So what I, Brandon's I no getting, so, I know. So Brandon's getting it. There was like a World of Warcraft thing. They were going to do some battle. Yeah. And they had a very low percentage chance of winning unless mm-hmm. they organized themselves in a certain kind of way. Right. So one of the guys went rogue and he <laughs> announced his name. Leroy! <laughs> And he just went in and yeah. it was like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. No, we were going to lose. And they got destroyed. And like, what the? And the, the whole thing was recorded. And they're like, what are you doing, Leroy? Stop. Yeah. Why did you do that? Sorry. We only had one chance at this. And so the whole thing is this. And he's like, yeah. well, I was just trying to like be like whatever. Yeah. So I'm not I'm sure so where hungry. you were going with that. No. <laughs> I'm not sure where you're going with that. But. No, because at the beginning of that, it's like when they're all nerdy talking to each other. It's like, yeah. So anyone have numbers on like a probability of like you know surviving this? And they're like, yeah, it's like a twenty-two point three three repeating, obviously. So if you if you uh, divide the fifteen episodes over eleven months, it's one point three six repeating. <laughs> Nerd alert! Nerd huh. alert! So, so not bad. quite two episodes per month. <laughs> So, um, made a note about the nerd alert. Just so you know, <laughs> so whenever you see this on the script, Jessica, just know nerd <laughs> alert when it says one point three six repeating. Yeah, you just not, not. so as we talked about, uh, I think it was the last episode when we get like the soundboard where I can like have like the nerd alert things that we had in one of the episodes. And we're like, <laughs> nice nerd. Um, we'll make sure to to be able to do that in real time. But you know, but what my thing is, what what was the original intent? Which is what I'm interested in. Yeah. What what was I mean? Because we, I remember if I if I remember correctly, we were sitting around. Um, I think we were at uh, some an agile conference or something like that. And we were sitting in around Ch- outside of Chicago, right outside yep. of Chicago. So not that far. Well. Kind of the heartland. It's but the heartland. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were we were trying to figure but not out not a flyover city. No, true, true. The fly-in city, and we were not yet in the capsule of Apollo, yeah. Apollo thirteen. Right. But we were talking about what if we could talk about topics mm-hmm. that because we I think we were 
having a frank conversation about what works and what doesn't work because we were in, I think it was a training thing if I yeah. remember right. And, yeah. and there's all this thing that are spouted about, about how this is the way it's supposed to work and here's the academic sort of approach to it. And I think we were all saying, well, it doesn't so let's always let's work We that all way. were you, myself, and our friend Christy Clement, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another coach that uh, we love and is unfortunately not here because she like moved overseas for a long period of time in this in this last 1.36 repeating episode time period. Um, but uh, we and I miss her 1.36 times. Yes, every every month. period or whatever that <laughs> every is. Every month. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, during that first uh, inaugural uh, episode that we did, actually in Arizona, we were all together randomly in a, in, at the same time in Arizona. And we talked about what the initial idea of what the episode was. So I'm going to play that clip real quick and uh, see see how we feel about that now versus what we were talking about then. Yeah, so we have to give some props out to Sonny because he, uh, he is the one who came up with Agile After Dark. Yeah, thank you, Sonny. Sonny thank you, Appreciate Sonny. that. But, the, but the, actually the concept for the podcast did come about as we were – uh, at some meeting all together, the three of us drinking. talking about drinking and talking about um, some of the things that we found sort of tedious or humorous or miscon- misconceptions about Agile and having a little fun with it. And that's kind of what we're trying to do, especially when this, this episode about urban legends, fun folklore, we're trying to kind of get into those. And I think this, the next kind of, the next uh, section is kind of going to talk about like what are the things that people assume about agile mm-hmm. or take advantage or overuse. Now, you know, a lot of times these words use us before we can use them. The word transformation comes to mind. The word agile comes to mind. The words, you know, all the things that we say on an ongoing basis, innovation, all these things, they tend to lose their currency because they get used so much and they lose their 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 power. So. Part of what we want to do is kind of bring us back to what how those things started and have a little fun with it. So that's where we started. That was kind of our, I don't know what you want to call it, like our manifesto in our own way, or you want to call it our way of you kind of what we initially said, hey, in that bar when we were all drinking together, what, you know, we, we hear a lot of things in the agile community that we intake and we digest and we feel like, you know, we understand, but at the same time to what Greg said in that clip, which is some of these words are starting to kind of get used in a way that are almost throwaway lines. Right. Uh, I mean, Jess, this is the first time that you kind of heard what our manifesto is. I mean, what's, I mean, kind of what's your impression based on you've now become involved in this? What, what kind of your, your thoughts on where we've come from there. Well, I mean, the fact that you even mentioned transformation, and then that was one of our first sponsors that I literally snorted into the microphone about was pretty <laughs> accurate. Right? Uh, I actually, I have to say too, Sunny, like the reason that I'm here with you guys is in large yeah. part because of Sunny. Because of Sunny. Yeah. And he and he and I and Nitten, who has been on the podcast, spent mm-hmm. um, a week together, and actually, that's one of the things that we talked about most when it was just the three of us was like what does this really mean and 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 how yeah. does this apply and yeah. so it's interesting because because he's kind of a, a catalyst really yeah for you guys yeah and for me yeah and so and for me to be here that's actually really cool yeah. okay so i'm gonna riff off that and just say so if the, it, <laughs> so if we it's which is gonna be a drop at some point if 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 we could say that the reason this started was because we were complaining about 
the you know the the conventions of now what is agile okay and the conventions meaning the seven to eight to ten powerpoint slides that describe what agile is and that this is what's being sold at every consulting company in the world whatever the fact that there's a juxtaposition which i hate that word but i'm using it anyway to say for you to say that in fact the reason that you're here jessica is because in apollo 13 studio is because you had somebody who didn't follow conventions or rules but followed a perception and a way of thinking and a commitment to something yes. that drew you into to this, which is a different thing than just following a framework. Right. There wasn't, it wasn't a rigidity and a dogmatic sense of following something, but it was really more like the, um, like well, the, you, the, the, you the inspired. The, yeah. yeah, yeah you and, inspired. and like, and, and the, and the human part of it and how do you connect and, connect with people and work and make things better in general versus like we will be doing this and this and this and this and that's going to make you be better yeah that i mean that's a huge that that to me drew me to him and to Nitten and ultimately to you guys which and it sounds like that's kind of what you guys initially were kind of talking about It, it is and you know i think it's if we're doing a retrospective on perspective kind of going into this part one going in and then also in the part two uh, that we'll record later. For me, there are times where I've been sitting in these, you know, within Apollo 13 and it's the shiny surfaces or before that, before we had Apollo 13 and I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? It's all going bad. It's all going sideways. I'm really upset about this. I think it should be this way or that. Truth is, that's just me talking about it. That's just Greg being a curmudgeon, socialist, finance, whatever guy, right? Yeah, we've learned that over the year. Yeah. I didn't know those things about myself until yeah. this very podcast revealed yeah. those things, and I feel so much happier. Well, VP of being a dick was probably always there. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. But, uh, you know, I think it's been interesting for me to also... In, doing some of the production of this and like doing the editing and hearing the stuff over and over and listening to it over and over again. Um, It's been interesting to see how we've kind of balanced the line of us saying, let's point out where we were seeing things that are being overused to what we, our initial concept was, but are we also then just becoming the people are just pointing out the faults and things without saying, necessarily where where things should be and i'm not saying that we did that because i think we try at the end of every show to say hey we're pointing out the issues but here's where we see things can actually be looked at in a different way that we see both from a my nerd standpoint of this is what the research says right and that's one of the reasons that when we came up with this podcast i said to greg hey, I love doing this research on stuff like cognitive science and thinking about how people actually learn things. How do we actually approach it from that perspective? But that's not the end-all be-all of anything either, right? It kind of all has to come together in some way. Well, it's not an academic exercise. These are people's real lives. These are people come to work every day. And this is their livelihood. This is livelihood. one of my favorite rants, by the way. Well, it is, but it's... No, it's, it's my favorite. It, we call it shoes and diapers. Like, it's these, these these are people's real lives. This matters. And it's it's not just about some 
you know, academic thing where, oh, let's sit in like Boulder and like figure out like what a perfect example of developing software is. In fact, it's not even about delivering software. It's about getting people to work together from a business perspective and a development perspective to do the right thing um, so that an organization or a company can provide value to, you know, the general economy or society and also support the people who work there and do it in a meaningful way so that they have meaning in the work that they do. I mean, it's this is bigger than just, you know, putting a factory together to grind out software. And that's, again, Agile's sort of, I think, turned into that. And let's talk about that, you know, uh, uh, you know, 365 days later or 3.5, blah, blah, whatever your things are. 1.36 repeating, yeah. Like later, let's talk about that. Because I, I, I honestly believe that it has become more of a factory than it has become more about changing people's lives. And the word transformation is now being used all over the place. Well, transformation of what? And it's... It, well, it's, I think transformation is not the worst word because I know that you and I have been involved in the way that we're trying to communicate the way that we all, the three of us, have been talking about these things for the last 11 months. How do we communicate to the people that are kind of more in the academic, you know, process, replacing process, which is, we'll talk about that in the episode then too, but how do we, you know, look at that in the, we get where you're coming from, right? Uh, it's a natural progression from where we came from, which we actually will talk in this episode. But how do we kind of say... What are the triggers? What are the things that we have to understand? Because the most important thing is in order to be productive, we want to get engaged people. And we'll talk about that later today as well. But I think that for me, this has been kind of cathartic opportunity in terms of doing a podcast because Greg, myself, Jess, other people we've had on the show, it's been, there's a frustration that is there. Well, is is that how it started then? Was there a frustration? Is that how I, it probably... The it, conversation probably yeah. started out of that, right? I mean, listen to that clip again. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do feel that, you know, we had frustration when we were drinking. Which and is when you're, also how this started. This is also how this started. It's after dark, right? But I do feel that it was an opportunity for us to say, all right, let's step back for a second because, you know, Christy was unfortunately not being on the, be able to be on the show for the first time. I mean, as a tactician, as a trainer, like, you know, if you listen to that first episode that we had, Greg talks about, hey, I was like one of your people in your class and Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from you. That's right. So are we saying that there was her attitude? It wasn't her content. It was her attitude and her approach. So we're not sitting here and saying to you, there's no value in training. That's not what we're trying to to get out of what we're doing in this show. (laughs) We're also saying you need an inhaler to basically be able to (laughs) hold in your coughs. Because I okay, actually to think be fair. between my wife and our co-host, like, <laughs> true, honestly, it's like a cough fest in here. And like, I honestly am worried is that... It, do you think there's some like asbestos thing I'm with Apollo 13? Apollo 13 is Don't freak out. All right, so out. that's actually a good segue into the fact of how we came up with the Apollo 13 name. So I'm going to play this clip because I think this is apropos into what we were just talking about. So listening to this, uh, where my, my wonderful wife was coughing just like Jess was uh, when we came up with the name. (coughs) That's Carrie coughing. That's why I told him. I was like, I'm going to have to cough. It's all the styrofoam from our new Homeland Studio. (laughs) We do need to name the Homeland Studio. We really do. We should call it the... Well, we call flux it Agile capacitor. Studio. Yeah, we do. The flux capacitor. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
like, do, do, do. So we, I'm, I'm punching in the day. Yeah. So Brandon made some additions to our studio. Um, it was construction related, and we are now, um, it feels a little bit like we're on the Apollo 13. Um, with that, with that, that kind of foil um, foam stuff. <laughs> By the way, that was totally unscripted and so <laughs> it good. Was. It was <laughs> so Greg actually came up with. I have to give him credit. I'm more of the PR marketing person in this group, but when he, he came up with like, yeah, we're kind of in Apollo 13. I was like, boom. I we're can't in. believe that started with a cough. That yes. was amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, we were buying time because she was like in the throes of like a real, like she had like some respiratory <laughs> yeah. real issue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's been kind of fun for us because, as I said, it's been kind of cathartic for a lot of, you know, of us, not only our guests, but like now having Jess being another co-host, uh, now that Christy, you know, has been overseas and stuff and, you know, <laughs> no one wants to listen to me and Greg go back and forth. Oh, God, uh, on a regular basis but you know it's been good like i have my nerd stuff it's like i talked about right uh greg has his rants right i do we have greg's rants so it's you know if you want to you know ask it to for a rant <laughs> to go out there go rants at uh agileafterdark.com and we also talk about what we're drinking we're not going to talk about that right now but you know we you know we try and loosen up you probably know that in the breaks we have instead of you know advertising and so forth, we have us kind of in our off color, sort of conversation and stuff. And most of that stuff comes from the first like ten to fifteen minutes of us being on the show, just kind of like loosening up. Okay. Well, it's a best of kind of thing. And then what we want to do is just throw in some of the outtakes, right? I mean, that's what we. That's yeah. I think for personally, I don't think the. And one of my favorites is the door falling on you out of absolute. Yeah, nowhere. the door fell on me. Great. Apollo thirteen has, has been crushed <laughs> at least four times. Well, because Sass. Oh, our other. Co-host. I know we didn't mention Sass. Sass, a fr- she's not here. No, uh, yeah, she's, she's around. She did not want to come in today. No, she doesn't. She doesn't collapse. Our she's capsule. Per- she's, she's, she's only here for like the right 1.55 repeating yes. episode. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> Thank you for letting us know the you know percentages on that. But uh, but I do think that um, it's been a long way. We're still around the hearth. Let's put it that way. Yeah. We haven't moved the hearth. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's sweet, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesse. So one of our guests didn't like. We turned it on for one time. It was too noisy, and he was kind of freaked out because he's from Texas, and yeah, it didn't the, work. the fake fireplace kind of like freaked him out a little bit. Yeah. So we just imagine fake fireplace is a bit aggressive, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like it's not a great fake. It's, it's fireplace, really a video it? screen like, that may emit heat or not. We at least don't it know. doesn't have like the the. The wavy. Hey, but you like can't that. have a real fireplace in Apollo 13. Okay, you're in space. Right. You can't have combustibles. Right. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Come on. Geez. We're it's actually the seriously. perfect fireplace yeah. for Apollo 13. Yes, it is. Fine. So, so yeah, what we want to do is, uh, you know, kind of take where we're at uh, and you know go from there based on what Greg articulated very well in terms of what our original mission was, right? And go from there and see, you know, play some clips from the past uh, 1.36 uh, episodes. And, you know, Jess is trying to mess with me. She's trying to do, like, the, the hand signals. Makes me try to stop. But I'm not going to stop because Greg already messed that up. So, <laughs> this, you know. Sorry, I couldn't help it. Pretty, pretty much where we're at normally. But more importantly, 
we have another sponsor. Ooh. We have another sponsor. So Wait, tell tell us about it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, get us going on this next sponsor because it's a it's a good one. Our sponsor today is Scrum Butt. Scrum Butt. You can have your version of Scrum if you order now. Feel comfortable saying you're doing Scrum, but not really, by choosing attachments that are useful to your very different type of work. Stand-ups? Who needs them? Retrospectives. Who wants to talk about their feelings? That's right. Order now at 555-SCRUMBT and get a free transformation sticker. Again, that's 555-SCRUMBT. Don't miss out on this opportunity to make you look good without much effort at all. We'll be back after the break. Pass it over to Greg because he has something to say. Is this my bit on the? No, it's not your bit. This is where our production value is fantastic. <laughs> He's not ready. What are we doing right? Wait, what are we doing right? What are you doing right now? This is good. We're gonna B- go to the sponsor. B-roll. You're the start of the sponsor. Yeah, that's what I thought too. No, well, Brandon, he, he did this. I did no. He, he, I, you did do no, this. No, I, I was saying, you, are you going into no, this part? Greg, you did this. Okay, well we can start yeah, over. No, that's fine. All right, so small yeah, retrospective. No, I, I will. Yeah, um, I'll do it. Fingers up, <laughs> yes. mean. Yeah. Fingers on the <laughs> bottom of the table. Yeah. Well, you did. Okay, you are did you, this. I know, but are you gonna do the? I'm gonna. Scrum go, butt I'm gonna thing? go back. Yeah, I'll go back and I'll kind of say. But how many commercials are these? It's just <laughs> it's one. one. It's just one. It's one. Just the all bullets. of us involved in the same commercial. Okay. So the only one you have to do is the retrospective. All right. I. So I'll it. go, and then you Boxed say. It out. Okay. All right. All right. So what we want to do? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <Wow. laughs> we're gonna get better at ad reads, yeah. okay? Future yeah. sponsors, don't worry. Yep, yep, yep. Oh my gosh! All right. <laughs> hey, so hey, we are actually back um, to the podcast, and we've had a little chance to. We're back. We're and we're back. And we we're some, back. By the way, we've rounded up some drinks here, and yeah. so let's all talk about. I don't. I don't know, frankly, what your drink is, Jess. What What do you you got going? Well, it looks like water to yeah, me. Yeah, mine's the least interesting because it's again Tito's and water. Tito's and water with yeah. ice. Yeah. What well, does that taste like? Water. Uh, no fruit. Vodka and water. No yeah. fruit. I don't know about that. Okay, My now, favorite one, though. By the way, I'm going to go next because mine's oh, boring because I'm just doing the, the the maker's thing that I always do. Brandon, however, has a color bright. not found in nature in front of us. <laughs> a bright blue. And I think it has alcohol in it. It does. What is it? So I... Is it of alkalites this? or al- what do you call those things in the sports drinks? Uh, electrolytes? Electrolytes. Alkalites? Alkalites. 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 Those are alcoholic like electrolytes. <laughs> Those are alcoholic aliens. They may be in there as well based on that color. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yes. Right. So, yes. I uh, So, I listened to a past few podcasts <laughs> and I realized by the end of it, A, number one, when I was doing the post-production, I didn't remember what I said. <laughs> and B... The words get a little slurry, right? <laughs> so I'm doing a, a vodka a Gatorade, the cold blue Gatorade. Um, so yeah, it's it's got a little color to it. Do you know it. what? Actually, my new my new favorite drink that I've heard of. So I don't know if you know about this, but Pedialyte is oh, a yeah, really good just, hangover cure, right? Very Apparently. disgusting to drink. I've, I haven't done it. Oh, the taste is very bad. Yeah. My, husband, my husband's done it a lot. But yeah, Pedialyte is a very good. 
Pretty like, recovery yep. situation, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's actually um, a girlfriend of mine who works in a bar came up with uh, Mommy's Medicine, which is like the orange Pedialyte, like orange Pedialyte yeah. and yeah, like the, the, orange, the, the orange vodka. Yeah. So orange vodka, ice, orange Pedialyte, and it's Mommy's Medicine and it is for the day after brunch because, mm. you know, ladies... Yeah, yeah. Like lazy like the lunch. And I was like, oh man, that is that needs to be on every That's a whole other level from the vodka Gatorade. That's I, that is Pedialyte, it? yeah, Pedialyte is a I yeah, feel like they're kind of the level. same. No, nah, Pedialyte's a little higher level in terms of regeneration of goodness. This is like pre this is like preparation. Yeah. And the Pedialyte is like the aperitif. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's aperitif, if you will. Yeah. What what's the other one that they have that's for like grown human beings that's the same? And by the way, Sass has joined us. Yeah, Sass is yeah, yeah. She she attacked the, the capsule early yeah, from the outside, but decided to join us internally. So if you hear uh, Brandon's Mike Russell a bit will know who that is. That's not Jessica reaching over to try to get his fluorescent drink. Yeah. It's really just the cat. Yeah. It's so blue. So I think we're trying so to blue. get into um, our second section. I think which is one of the things that was um, most profound for me, which was the debt before Agile. And it's not only the technical debt, which everybody talks about, but Brandon, you brought up the the business or management debt, right? That's actually that's something that one of the one of the most interesting original conversations that you and I had when I first yeah. started working together was you coming talking about the concept of management debt. Yeah, and so the interesting part about management debt is a number one made up. It's not a real thing. It's not anywhere out there. Uh, so it's not an original thing, but it's kind of the concept of hey, we've come from the world of waterfall. We've come from the world of having a project plan. We've have come from the world of Gantt charts, right? So how do we then look at, you know, coming from that to where we're going from an agile perspective? And you have to be realistic in terms of this is the world that all these people have grown up in. When I'm saying growing up, I'm saying, you know, in their professional lives, right? This is the world that they've kind of gotten to where they're at. And uh, we have some, you know, kind of some good clips that we've talked about in the past episodes. Um, so one of the ones that uh, I want to play is kind of the introduction of the first time that I ever said management debt in front of Greg. And, uh, you know, he kind of got a little excited. So let's let's play that because I think there's this this management debt if you will of oh that's interesting you know this is how i've gotten to this point and it really does take a person that's able to look at within themselves that's interesting management management debt we always yeah. talk about technical debt how about yeah. management debt yeah nobody talks about that yeah wait that's a okay brandon just Do we have a podcast coming up i'm going on that but one. i mean i just you know and i think you know steve and others in the past podcasts have alluded to this and it just this is where we talk about as coaches, like meeting where meeting them where they are. And we can do that and say, you know, we get it. Like, you know, your performance reviews, your way that you've got here was based on, you know, this, you either a very high performer and you really push people or you pushed yourself, you know, and you got stuff out the door or you're really good at statistics or, you know, there's a lot of different varieties of the management people, but I think there's 
in my experience as a coach, there's less of those that are just like you every now and then you meet them. You're like, yeah, that's a leader. That person, mm-hmm. as you said, Greg, you got an opportunity yeah. to have like a leadership team where you're like, I will walk through a wall with these people and I'll mm-hmm. go to different companies yep. with them. Yep. You know, uh, it, that's the rare breed. You know, I, I have to say that this is so when I started listening to the podcast after I met you, mm-hmm. that was the one I was walking my dogs around St. Anthony, Maine, which if you've ever been in Minneapolis, it's a gorgeous bridge and there's like the city everywhere. And I swear to God, I looked like a lunatic because I was nodding so hard. Like (laughs) I was listening and just nodding and like, yes, 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 yes. Well, we're just making this up. So just so you know, so (laughs) you say shit. But it made sense. It made sense. It made sense But but I agree. And I think why are people afraid of saying management debt is because Typically, when you go into an engagement and you meet people where they are, which is a common term, it's it's usually with the teams, right? And it's maybe with the directors, but it's nobody wants to offend the management team to say, hey, it's your problem that we're trying to deal with. And nobody wants to say that out loud because of HR structures and all of the things that corporate institutions have in place, right? When they're the ones that hired you and they don't want to that's hear exactly that that's right. their problem. That's exactly that right. That's exactly right. But they're the ones that have to really change in order to make those things happen. Yeah. And you, so this is where I'm going to get where oh boy, here the we Agile go. After Dark part of it is it's very easy for coaches that are coming in and saying, well, it's the leadership. Leadership is a problem. This is why we can't actually transform our organization because the leadership don't buy into it. But we're talking about Agile After Dark. We're going to look at it in a little deeper sense, right? Where we're going to say, hey, let's actually, when we're talking about, and I said it in that clip, let's meet, meet them where they're at. We talk about that all the time as coaches and consultants and so forth. But are we really doing that? Are we really saying to them, hey, you got here for a certain reason. You, you The way that you did things, this is why you got promoted. This is why you got in a leadership position. And, oh, sorry, the reason that you did that doesn't apply anymore. So does that really make a difference to you anymore? Because for me... As a coach, I'm going to say to you, <laughs> well, great. You 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 worked your butt off to a certain extent and you were able to to meet the Gantt chart things because you said to people, "Hey, we have to work over this weekend. Or we have to work 80 hours a week." And you got because you were a leader that was able to inspire people to do that because you had a certain reason. That's not something I actually should look at them and say, "You're a bad person." Because you were somehow able to connect to those people and say, this is why we did that. Well, so are you, I, let me ask you a question. Are you talking about that we have a, a fear of new managers not understanding how to confront an established way of performing? And again, you know, trying to challenge the corporate structures like HR and those kind of things. Is it that or is it they're, they're fearing their own personal behaviors and habits that they've had in the past, or maybe both. I don't know. That have, that have made them successful, their own personal habits and the things that, the things that they have done to get to where they are. There's an absolute and quite 
frankly, fairly abject fear of, of letting that stuff go because that right. is the reason that they are where they are. And that's the reason that they are a director or a vice president vice or president, whatever. whatever they are. Yeah. VP of being they, a dick. Yeah. Yeah. VP of being, yes, dad. Um, but there, there absolutely should be assigned a, a fear level to that. Well, and I, and a fair, fair fear level to that. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more because I do think that again, people know what they know what they what made them successful in the past, which is command and control, blah blah blah. You can say that, but it really is about managing budgets, which means people, which means resources, which means this or that, you know, in whatever company. So oh, don't say resources. Well, I but do. no, they think of them but as that's resources. A, think of it. That, that's, right? like, that's, that's why I put that in there. Yeah, I was like, yep. no, that's basically the way that they've been taught to think about yeah. it. So that's why I want to bring that up. It's, it's yeah. a it's a monetary measure on how they're successful versus how you respond to problems, changing problems in the marketplace. It's how do I achieve my budget and not lose my resources, which are essentially money and people that are tied to that. So and, and power. And and I it turns into that and and yeah. that's the problem and yeah. that's not I don't think that's universal but I do think that's what it turns into yep. is that I worked hard to get to this position mm-hmm. I worked hard to get to a VP position as opposed to thinking oh are you kidding me do I have to be a VP <laughs> which is how I got there I was like I'm I fought against it because I thought there's no way I'm getting anything done as a VP directors are about the only place you can get anything done and because they still do work. But VPs, are you kidding me? They do nothing. They're strategic planning and budget planning, and they stop one and start the other and just cycle through, and nothing happens. Rant! Yeah, so, <laughs> but at the, the, the end of that clip, I kind of said something to the effect of those leaders that are able to basically realize, yeah, this is how I got here, but the world's changing, right? The people that I'm dealing with are different the the world in terms of getting things in front of people sooner versus versus i have a budgeted project and this is how i'm going to get it done that's changed so looking at those leaders that have had that experience that we talked about where they've excelled because the market and the company and whatever you whether it's command and control or whether it's the truth is, those leaders, the very effective ones, probably still do inspire people in a way because how are you going to get them to work 80 hours a week, right? They have some sort of way to inspire people. Uh, they have some sort of way. In, you know, I'm looking at Jess's like frowning interface because she's like, they're command and control and they're like basically, like, you have to get this done and there's a well, date. I, I mean, it depends on where you work. No, no, if you, I no, mean, I'm, like, I'm if interested. Yeah. If you're in. An enterprise situation where you've got vendors who basically tell their the people that work for them, listen, you work 40 hours a week, and if you can't get your work done in 40 hours, then yeah. that's then then that's you not being good enough, and yeah. then basically saying no, you're working 80 hours a week or 90 hours a week in order to get X Y Z out yeah. the door, and but then. There's again, I go back to like the people part yeah. of it right. where they feel like they're trapped and they mm-hmm. can't. So 
Yeah. Well, let me let me uh, just clarify. Sorry, that was a really muddled. No, no, no. Let me try to understand what you're saying. It's a very good point. So, so what you're saying is there's a difference between if you're working in a large enterprise. Typically, you have a pool of uh, vendors or staff augmentation teams that are there who are integrated with a company, and those people have different motivations because they're going to be motivated because they're probably working. extra hours and they get paid those extra hours. The people that are working on a salary or working for the company that's employing the step augmentation people don't. So there's different motivations. And on one team, you may have half and half. Is that what you're getting at as far as motivation? Yeah, not even half and half because there might be another motivation of like, I want to get my visa. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to prove that I can get 90 hours of work done in 40 hours. So there's, I mean, there's so many different aspects of how that might, might look. And, and there, there are, there are people in management that can play on that in a way that's mm-hmm. really detrimental. Yep. Right. So what I want to, the agile after dark stuff, sometimes we like a lot of the podcasts that are about agile, they kind of paint things in a black or white sort of way. Now I hope that, through our time this year, but also going into next year, there's that gray area that we want to explore, which is there are leaders that have come up through the system that they're in, but they're also able to, you know, the reason that they're, they are talking to people about working 80 hours a week is not from a, we have a deadline. I, you know, you have a visa, you need to like work these 80 hours a week. It's more of the, Hey, you and me, we're together. Like, I'm I'm gonna be here with you too for those eighty hours. That I, is I the will, most stunning type of team. Right, and I will be here, and that's what I, in the end of that clip what it talks about of I if you're around those type of people, and and as I say that they're rare breed, and I think that's an important thing. Those people, and Greg's had exposure to that, and I have as well. And I don't know about you, Jess, if you've had that experience. Absolutely. Yeah, where it's kind of, hey, look. This all sucks for all of us. We're all here. We're all here. We're going to do this. Thing. And we're going to do this thing. And we and are going to work together. And that and that that is kind of the core where it's actually a kind of an easy transition into the agile perspective where it's like, hey, all that stuff that you've been fighting so hard against as a leader to not be command and control, but that's the reality of your world. We need to be able to go to the teams and say, you know what? I got your back. We're going to prioritize things. We're going to make think, make sure that you understand exactly why we're making the decisions of what we're making. And that, that in the old world was the rare breed. Well, but it's also, it's inspiring those people, whether they're external to your team or internal to your team. Because by the way, the internals in many cases maybe have been there for a long time and they're not motivated to, work extra hard. If, but if you can provide a vision for them to all work together right. to a single vision, to a single goal and m- help them understand why that's important as a leader, because only the leaders can do that. They don't, they're the only ones that understand. It's not just, Hey, we got a date and we got a you know goal. And they, you just sound like a Goomba on the like dock. I don't know if that makes sense. The Goomba on the yeah, dock thing, yeah, but it does. I don't know. It does. Is that just, racist? I think so. I think yeah. so. Gustily's. Watch I out. Don't know. Yeah, watch good out. Point, Sicilian. Good point. You know, good I'm just point. saying. Hey. Nope. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watch my back on the way to That's my right. car tonight. 
<laughs> but what I want to talk about is, as, as we talked about at the end of that clip, which is, I think what our exposure has been that it's rarer that you have those leaders that are able to, even if they're in that command and control, that the people still look at them and say, they're not commanding and controlling me. They're, they're, with, they're there with me, right? Uh, and that sort of communication now in the world that we're in, because we're basically trying to transform the way that leadership looks at how they're supposed to be doing things is different. So you kind of have that, that if you're going to talk about scales, you're talking about like the, the right end of the spectrum of, yeah, those leaders that were already there. Right. And you left end of the spectrum where they're like, I've gotten here because I've done command and control. And I basically said to everyone, this is how you get stuff done. And I had to do it myself because I was a, like a primary person that was really good at getting stuff done. And then there's a somewhere in the middle where they're kind of like, well, I want to be inspiring, but you know, I'm not going to make them cause I don't want to make them do what I had to do. Cause that sucked. I don't want to death march to whatever. Right, yeah. Exactly. So I want to play this next clip. Um, because, um, that is kind of something that, uh, in our inside the Apollo 13 actor studio, Oh, oh, I, I didn't. Love I, that not, the episode. one I wasn't a part of, and that's why I didn't remember. Yeah, yeah. So it's inside the Apollo 13 studio, uh, where I was asking the kind of the poignant questions that they ask. They ask. They ask in the uh, actor studio uh, episodes. But out of that came the the concept of, you know, are coaches really being effective or ineffective at communicating with leadership uh, about changes in the mindset? They need to have for agile to be successful. So IE not scrum, but, and, and as an agile community, we've been really effect ineffective at communicating with the leadership level about the changes in mindset that they need to have at that level so that they read in a airline magazine about agile or they read in Harvard business review or whatever. Um, and they're like, yeah, that's, that's the latest uh, thing that I need to adopt is agile. And they're of course perceiving that it's at a team level mm-hmm. at their worker B level that the change needs to happen. And they're like, okay, great. I will, and they're willing to pay the money. They're willing to bring us in. They're willing to send their people to training. But what they're not seeing, they don't have a vision for, is this is going to be a change in mindset, a change in perspective of us as leaders. God, this is turning into like a big bash on leadership, isn't it? Well, I mean, I think this is where, that's where we talk about the management debt, right? This is the reality of what we're dealing with. Right, Greg? Right. No, I don't I, I, I don't think it's a bash on leaders. I really don't. I, I think it's an understanding of where they come from mm-hmm. and what they've been doing and how they got to where they are. But it's a request to them to be understanding of the fact that they work with really great people. And instead of... Like instead of the flo- like what what is that that the floggings will continue until morale improves, like that the right. that's the yeah. like that's actually like, very apropos. I guess. You know, that's, like that's... the floggings will continue until morale improves. Instead, yeah. it's like. But again, here's what you're. Here here's the problem: is that their incentive is not to enable the people who do the work. Their incentive is to get things done faster on time at a certain date. So how how do so you... their incentive is to be focused on product value? 
They, no, it's not actually. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree with that because I want to go to what Greg has told me many times from the product l- level is they have a budget. Well, that, that, yeah, right. They have a budget that they're gonna look at in terms of they signed up for last year, right? Right. And it's all planned. And how are we doing against that budget? And, and their incentive, their incentive the in their HR that. plan is right. based on: Did you meet your budget? Did you meet this or that? Now, this is a generic version. It's not always this way, but generally, yeah. generally that's yes. how it is, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, then you you stop being a human being if you work for that manager, that VP. You start being just a cog in the wheel or a resource, which. You know, in the company that we work for, we don't like to talk about people as resources. We like to talk to them about people because mm-hmm. people can change things. Human people, because I think I said yeah. that 75 yeah. times. You yeah. did, which is Human good, people. Which is, in, which is right. But but the problem is the HR and the constructs under which corporations work don't work for people. They work for Wall Street outcomes. And right. that's... And that's part of the problem. And that's, boy, that's not going to change. Well, I said, like, boy, like, like, boy, Andy Griffer, yeah. Andy Griffith, like, well, boy, that's not going to change anytime soon. I'm just going to go fishing down at the uh, same time. Uh, golly. Yeah. Golly. Good that's, golly. That's, that's a hard problem to solve. Golly. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we could go back to that time, which didn't ever exist, by the way? But uh, no. Like, as, golly, a, as a woman, I'm, no, thank you. I'm yes. 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 Exactly. exactly. <laughs> talking about my wife all the time. I'm just talking about white Are guys you? going fishing, okay? That's all I'm saying. Yes, as a white guy going fishing, I'm sure that was a great time for you. But you know what I'm saying is that these constructs in these Greg's not white. <laughs> I'm so white, I'm pink. <laughs> we talked about this last night. Okay. <laughs> So, so no, but I yes, also yeah, yeah well, no, so yes, that makes sense. I mean, I think no, yes. you know the, and I want kind of an intro to this next clip because this is gonna get a. I actually put this clip in here because I really oh, wanted to get, get a Greg Rant going. Here we go. I really wanted to get it like all set up because when we talk about the management debt. I think this is. Maybe we because we were talking about finances and how we look at things and how in the past people plan things. This clip for me is I really wanted to set this up for Greg, so I'm I'm gonna play it real quick. Yeah, you know, and I'm gonna pull a Greg here because I think one of the things that comes to mind is well, I've been I've gotten to a management level, and the way that I got there was working my butt off to get deadlines, and like regardless of how many man hours, women hours, people hours. It had to get them there. And you know what? I had to go through it. And this is the way that we got stuff done. Shit. This is the way we got shit done. Right? <laughs> Let's get some shit done. And, you know, we hit our dates. Yeah, we probably went a little over budget. But you know what? We we, we, we predicted that as management because we knew we were probably going to go over budget. Yeah. So let's just bring that up. Okay. okay. So there is the built-in, we're never going to hit it because we don't trust the teams. Right. So we're just going to assume waste in the model. Right. Mm-hmm. That is, if there's anything we can do as people who understand lean and agile principles is reduce that waste because that is that's the biggest crime in all of this is just padding everything because you you're just saying well people aren't going to do what they say they're going to do because you set them up to fail Sorry. god i was i was mean on that thing set them up to fail well this is one of your things this is one of the things where 
I think it's actually very interesting because we, again, when we're talking about black and white versus gray, if you have the white being agile, setting up to fail, they're kind of like, oh, no, that never happens. I don't think that's true. I think that there are ways where if you're looking at the pure agile stuff, you can still have that instituted in there in terms of, oh, we're just kind of kicking things down the road, right? So we're not going to having the same Gantt chart thing where it's like we're failing, 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 failing. But I feel like there has to be something in the middle where it's, no, there are, there are milestones that we have things where we're going to lose money, right? Or we're going to have a market share that increase if we hit these things. But what we run into, in my experience, Greg and Jess, is you look at our clients and they're saying, well, milestones are everywhere. Like they have all these fake sort of milestones of things. And that's where it kind of falls in this. It's kind of in the, the, you know, the area of, well, it's more like waterfall. But, you know, if you have the, the, if you have the, the other side of the scale, which is like agile, which is like, oh, we're constantly reprioritizing. So there's not, so there are no um, actual deadlines. There are no, this is what we talked about in the very first podcast that we had in the pilot is that, oh, there are no, you know, deadlines. Is that, I mean. Well, yeah. And it's, a, it, again, it's a, it's, it's about business outcomes. And, and that's a, like, I, the minute that word left, those words left my mouth, I wanted to take them back because <laughs> it's, it's, it's really about what are you trying to achieve as a business? And the only, re- the only way that you're going to achieve that is to em- employ the people, meaning put them to work on the most important things that are prioritized so that you get what you as a business, by the way, that's on you. That's not on specifically to developers or people who are doing the work. If you can't, if you can't understand what those priorities are and what the work is that you need the people to do the work, which by the way is where the most cost is, then what, what is the point of you? What is the point of you executive? What is the point? Because if you can't prioritize and help people understand and energize them and inspire them to do what your vision is. What is your point of living and being involved? Like, what what are you point doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's your management debt. Well, yeah, it is, and it's and it's you. There, are, most of the cost it happens with the teams, in which we're going to go into like in the next segment. Like, most of the cost is in the teams. The, the most the productive teams get where you want to go faster and more efficiently and more cost effective. So when I'm talking about management debt, I almost want to say it's kind of the operations debt. Management is like the most cost yeah, inefficient debt. Well, because you're, you're creating a lot of debt I know. in these podcasts. Well, Brandon. because technical debt is very easy for like technical people to understand. But I'm talking from the operations debt. You know, you still have teams that I've run this many times where they're basically saying. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what I need to do. Which, by the way, isn't the best thing, but if at least they know what they're doing that it adds value, that's a better thing than... Because you want everybody engaged because right. they're going to help solve problems. Do you really think order takers are going to solve no. problems? Right. That's exactly Whoa. the point. No. No, they are not. They're not. Well, they're, but, well have you ever met a DBA? Unleash them. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking No. 
They are so better than you think they are. It's okay. so yeah. great. So the next episode, Unleash DBAs. Unleash DBAs. Unleash, Unleash them. Yeah. DBAs. But I agree with you. And so, like, like, so do you really believe, do you really honestly believe that teams, just, I mean, developers, just random developers, they're, whatever, can they actually help solve the problem? Without really? a doubt. Without a doubt. They... They are they are so smart. That being said, so I'm gonna like I'm I'm gonna control myself because I love developers <laughs> so much. Like yeah. they are they are my favorite people. They're so she's amazing. in therapy. No, on this. I, it's <laughs> really it's so amazing. Yeah. But they they also they there has to be a balance between this incredibly creative. We're gonna do the coolest shit yeah. that we can possibly do right. and between between them and like what is what is functional what's actually usable because because we could possibly do like the most amazing technical thing that we could possibly do and then nobody knows how to use it some, yeah. some version of usability and then also like what what can we produce that can like is this even a viable thing that we're right. doing and i want to like take that opportunity to like uh take us to a break because our next section is about my favorite. Yes, about the teams, about the developers, about them being creatives and artists. So that's actually a very natural break. So we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, if you want to uh, kind of set Greg up for rants, as I try to do uh, through the different sound clips, uh, send it to rants at Agile After Dark, or send us feedback at uh, feedback at agileafterdark.com. We really listen to that. We tried to adjust based on what you're saying, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll see you after the break. Uh, yeah. So what do, what do I? What well, do just drink intro. So and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> and we're. Back. By the way, we should do that. I love it. That giggle is the best. I didn't even know I did that when you said I got it. We're back. Because I listened to those things so much that I know I did that, but I just think it's hilarious. Okay. Okay. Well, we're back. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. And we're back. We're back to check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) I don't think I got that right. Let me try it again. You did see it, right? That's but that was so very, great. that was very uh, Abercrombie version of <laughs> yeah, 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 that yeah, was yeah. that was the Abercrombie version of yeah, che- check yourself before you wreck yourself, and he's like check, check yourself, yourself, yourself before you wreck yourself, yourself for show a perspective on perspective, part one. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. You're good. I was recording that. Yeah. Right. Um, hey, we're going to talk about our third section in our year wrap up. I think that's what we could call this, right? Yeah. yeah. Our year wrap 1. up. 1.36 or podcast. Mm. Um, talk, Divided kind of looking two. back at what's that? Divided by two because there's oh, two Jesus. parts. We gonna, do we have to? I need a calculator <laughs> oh, for this we'll podcast. That's for definitely mapping, for right Nobody now. who's listening Jeez. to this in their car can do it because they need a calculator. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's a third section. We're not going to keep you too long, hopefully. But we're going to talk about teams. We're going to talk about developers as creatives, which I'm going to start off with. Luckily, 
Again, we have Jess here who's going to help us understand as she, her day-to-day work is with uh, developers as creatives. And so we're going to talk about how management needs to understand how developers and developers as a team work together. So from our uh, previous podcast, uh, that's a developer's life that we did with uh, Nitin Damaja, who uh, just uh, knows very well. Um, we're going to talk about how it's kind of uh, developers look at it as an art and what they do. And uh, as creatives, kind of how they stand by their work. My favorite phrase, developers as creatives. Yeah. Very different, right? As you said, you know, developers are more creative people. They're concerned about their art. They want to be respected of, on what they do. And let's let, let, let's not just gloss over that term art because I believe that. Developers, good developers are artists. They're like creatives, right? Don't you agree? I, I totally agree, right? We as developers, you know, though my past life, we would always own up to and stand by our work, right? That's our pride, right? Just as an... Um, a tattoo artist or maybe as an as a pedicure nail paint artist would would do work they always stand by their work we would always do we might you know f up at some point right mm-hmm. we always do as humans but we always would stand up by our work so it's it's a, it's a very creative you know feel to be in okay you were just making fun of the pedicure part i'm dead serious kevin in the heartland mm-hmm. is an artist and i sincerely appreciate the things that he does for my nails okay well and he best. stands kevin stands by his work correct? he does it's kevin's nails he yeah. darn well better okay does, well sass does too obviously is Clearly. there such a thing as kevin's code that he might stand by as a creative i should certainly hope so well tell us about it because you know because you're involved every day with you know what's going on there the amazing thing about developers is that they are passionate about what they do as long as you allow them to be passionate about what they do. And and they they know so much more about the product even sometimes than a quote-unquote product owner or they, or at least the implement the technical implementation, right? Right, they but they know so much about it. Mm-hmm. And so to not involve them from really from the get-go about how this thing is going to work because they know like they they've been doing this for mm-hmm. so long and they love it and they have if you allow them they have ownership over it and they have they want this thing to be a great thing because because they they're they're the ones building it they're building it's it's like building it's it's like architecture or Art. I mean, again, with the creatives, like mm-hmm. they are building this incredible thing, and they 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 want to build the best thing that they possibly so, can. So, so for instance, if, if a product manager comes in and says, "Oh, I want a drop-down menu here with the blue radio button, and I want the border to be this, and blah blah blah," and that's what the product manager thinks is right, and the developer says, "Eh, if." We can't technically do that, but if we didn't do the radio button, but we could do the drop-down menu, but if the drop-down menu could do this technically, it'd actually be much more elegant because the end user would only have to do two steps versus four steps, even though you as a product manager want to introduce all kinds of zoomy stuff to make people think they're getting blah, blah, blah. The developer actually is a part of the creative process of creating a UX experience that is much more 
you know, uh, influential as it relates to the end user than a product manager who just wants Zoomy stuff. Is that true? Absolutely. And the thing is, is that most of the truly great developers that I know, the creatives, spend their off time thinking about this stuff and learning about this stuff. And they like they spend their evenings and their weekends like learning, 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 learning about what's the next new thing and how do, how do we make this thing that I'm working on better. You mean they're nerds? That's what Huge you're saying. Huge nerds yeah. and I love yeah. them yeah. so yeah. much. Yeah, see, she loves the nerds. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to shape. So one of the interesting things that we talked about from the the debt, which is, you know, we have teams of creative developers that have been told how to do things. Forever. They've been order takers forever. Order takers forever. But they've had all of these ideas this entire time. Right. And it's allowing them to have a voice and the opportunity to say, actually. Right. What if we did? Actually. Wait, say that's interesting. What did you just say? Actually. Actually. It, okay, so I, I, I love this. I never heard you say this before. That's sort of the, the similar thing to in improv when you say yes and. and. Yes. Yeah. Right? And. It's actually yes and we can do this. That's a critical component in keeping the conversation moving forward between the business group and the IT group to say, yes, and we're going to produce something that's going to be, you know, for the, the, the company. Yeah, and I think that's very much on point. But the other thing from the debt that we talked about, which is things have been, we've talked about this within the last 11 months, which is, you know, teams get siloed in the work that they're doing, right? So they are the experts in their particular area. So they're maybe only, they have the creative ideas outside of, what they're normally looking at, but they only have a kind of narrow view based on you're the expert in this particular stack, this particular code set and whatever. And, you know, we, we had talked with um, our good friend, uh, Regender Tello, who is, you know, the Billy, Billy D. Williams of uh, developers, as I like to say. Um, and he had a really, we had a good uh, conversation with him about uh, kind of, uh, pair programming and, and cross function the malfunction is the podcast and he had a good thing about you know talking about why we would look at doing pair programming to get beyond the silos at their end and greg and others uh kind of had the conversation of well why would leadership and product people care about these creative people delivering good quality clean code which is you know not intuitive so let's uh listen into that people most business people and managers are like well yeah well quality who cares it's like what if the customer isn't complaining then why do i care about good code like they don't realize technical debt all those things but it's like they don't care so the argument for this approach is hard if you're saying well you just have better quality like i don't care about quality i want stuff shipped of course you want to have stuff shipped right i can you you could make a quick decision now and then ship it fast today but what we're talking about, having a good quality code, you know, the other term that we use in the developer community is clean code. So having the clean code will help you maintain the same cost for each feature in the long run, right? If you don't, uh, the opposite side, if you have a poor quality code, you may get a, a, a feature done in, you know, say 80 points, 80 story points today. But if you don't maintain the code quality, the same feature would cost you a lot more than 80 points after six months or one year. 
So you're paying no matter what, either today or later, right? But having a clean code and maintainable code will actually give you the same developer productivity and you will get the same, you'll be able to maintain the same pace for releasing features to your customers. So maybe that's one of the, the, if we transition into what's some of the obstacles to this pair of programming thing, I think one is describing this to the business people so that they buy in because it is absolutely non-intuitive when you present this to somebody. It just doesn't make any sense because people are focused on, even if you can convince them to think about what a backlog means and what prioritization means, then you're like, oh yeah, and we're going to throw a pair of programming on top of that. Oh, let's just add on to the fire where they all just went through this whole transition in their head. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, how do you, how do we better describe what this is so that people can, you know, get a business people specifically can get an understanding of it? Yeah, we don't want to give too much away from the podcast that we have because we want you to kind of look back at some of the answers that, uh, the Billy D. Williams of well, where can developers. they find that podcast? They can find it at uh, agileafterdark.com. Yeah, um, it's a dev- uh, this was the cross function, your malfunction, pair up or go down. Yeah, pair up or go down. Yeah, with the uh, incredible regender. Yes. yes, the the man regender. Um, but I I think you know what we're talking about in terms of what we've done in the last year is trying to ask those kind of questions, right, Greg? Which is, yeah, pair programming. Yes, let's do it. Everyone says we're supposed to do it. But when you're trying to sell it to the people that are actually have the the the, the strings on the and the purses, well, why am I going to give someone time to sit next to someone else on the same computer to get something done? Yeah, well, it yields absolute results. But but the problem is that it's not apparent when you're presenting to a finance person why you would put two person because finance looks at things as a task and a person on a task. And that's how the budgeting is done, right? That's how the yearly budgeting is done. So when you say, Oh, we're going to put two people in the same thing to a finance person, that makes zero sense. That was what I was trying to say in that. Yeah. And from a finance perspective, I agree because when they're doing accounting, you don't put two people unless you're training them, which they put in a separate budget because they control the finances. Right. By the way, they control the finances. Right. So they're pair programming, even though they don't know it. But when you're trying to pair program, when you're trying to teach somebody, you're increasing your business capacity by ensuring that you're doubling your capacity every time you do a cycle. Yeah, and I think this is where that, that conversation with the leadership, we talked about the debt in the previous section, where in their typical world of, you know, I have a, a team, but they're basically a siloed team of different specialities, mm-hmm. right? If you will. Yep. That they are going to be. Specialities is the key to what you're talking about. Right. Yep. So, you know, what, what does it mean in terms of, well, yeah, I have this one person, but if I have this one person as a specialty person in this area, but their thing at that particular time is not the highest priority thing, then what are they doing? Right. If, if like one through four of user stories or one through six or user stories about how to create a cough syrup, you know, it's not the highest priority things. And I'm the person that's like over here saying I have, I have a cough drop, which is not as effective as a cough syrup. I'm the cough drop specialist. And I have no, I have no knowledge of what the cough syrup stuff is. Then, 
am I actually able to contribute to the highest priority things? So what you're talking about really is building a team over an individual specialist, right? Because individual specialists are great if you're talking about certain roles. Again, we talked sort of, we joked about sort of, um, you know, uh, DBAs or some, right. some or like right. some QA specialists and those right. kind of things. But really what you want to do to build business capacity for your organization is to build good teams. Yeah. Good teams are much better than good individuals and, and good individuals are necessary, but they're, they, they should be in your short list versus your big list. Your priority should be building good teams. I think the most important thing about this is, there is a thought within coaching agile things with teams that are coming from that debt that we talked about where then the expectation is, well, everyone's going to on the team going to have the same skill sets across everything they're doing. And that's, I don't think that that's ever really the expectation from the startup world where Greg, like, you know, we've talked about several times in the past and you go back to many of our podcasts. We talk about the startup versus the real world of enterprise work that we deal with on a regular basis. Yes. In the enterprise in the, sorry, in the startup world. Yeah. Probably you could probably do more cross-functional work in terms of everything. <laughs> but if you really want to do the cough drop to cough syrup and like, you know, you realize that that's there's a big gap. There's some, but there you is some overlap gap. because you're still trying to yeah. solve a yeah. particular problem of yeah. the coffee coffee mix sense mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. Right. Who are you talking uh, about? <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the reality is that you're trying to say that, you know, we want because of the world that Agile approaches it in terms of prioritization and how we deal with our work. If we have people that are siloed in a particular way, then if they're just going to stay in those silos, they may not be able to work on the highest priority work. And that's not no, going to work. It's dysfunctional. It's inefficient. It's ineffective. Right. In that order. Right. Like you have to, in today's world, where software, <coughs> software, 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 I'm going to call it software. 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 Is software. software. <laughs> Software bronchitis. Sorry. uh, (laughs) Software is software for a reason. (coughs) It's malleable. Software is software for a reason. It's malleable. It's 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 something. So what that means is that people who have are are associated with a certain project should be able to understand the different disciplines, the different frameworks, the different technologies, and as a business owner, you want to make sure that. Those people can cross-functionally work on all of those things across the organization. And I think it's uh, the concept of a collective code ownership on a product. Yes. Right? So it's not a everyone's equal and everything, but the concept of improving a skill set across team and the organization is something that our our good friend uh, Regender talked about, the truck factor. So we're going to listen about the truck factor here real quick. Yeah, it's not just the quality alone, right? Mm-hmm. It's like having that collective code ownership of on a product, right? Improving the skill set across uh, ac- across the team or across the organization, right? We also have this thing called truck factor, right? If you have like a developer that that like you can de- give you a feature today, but what happens if he hit by a truck tomorrow? Right? <laughs> the knowledge of truck factor. <laughs> 
By the way, by the way, just so you know, I thought there was some sort of. I like I leaned in on that one. I was like truck factor, and I just wrote that down. That's a good one, truck factor. Oh my god! So I thought you went from Texas. All of a sudden, you're like all into trucks, and that maybe that was where the reference is coming to. But no, it makes sense. Right. So what happens if you if you get into that situation? So pair programming and few other techniques help spread that knowledge across the team and across multiple teams. Um, and it's not that. And the, the study, going back to the study, that also revealed uh, they not only produce better quality code, um, spread the knowledge, but it actually makes the the development enjoyable. People actually reported that they actually like coming to work. You know, talking about the human side of it, right? It, they they like coming. They they know their team members better, and their work environment become more enjoyable because of pair programming. Question though, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, sometimes people like being very knowledgeable in one subject area. Yeah. And so, and they know a lot about that one, Lots that one thing, that. Yeah. right? And mm -hmm. so they, like, they know, like, let's say it's the front end of an, of an application and mm -hmm. they, they've been working the front end and things have been waterfall forever and they know this area so well. well let's talk about this. And they're protected. this is an important thing because it's not just that. It's <coughs> HR stuff. It's yeah. career path stuff. It's Correct. all that stuff. I don't know if you want to do that now. And, and, then no, so, yeah. and so then now you're asking them to be generalists. And is that I think that's that's a misnomer. It's not a it's not it's not a generalist because this is what uh Regina was talking about in terms of the studies. And we'll have the link in Agile After Dark for this particular episode and the episode that the cross function and malfunction, right? Where there is an actual study where it talks about expanding your general knowledge outside of your you know, this is what I know very, very well. It kind of goes against what the I think with the nature of our own personalities of this is, I'm going to, this is the thing I know. And why am I going to like go to someone else and say, this is what I know. And you're going to give this to you. And then you're going to give me something else from another side. And like, you're going to teach me something else that I don't know. The truth is over time, expanding knowledge has been shown that it has a positive influence in terms of engagement of teams because how, how long if you're the expert in a particular area how long have you if you're gonna be a particular uh person in, a, in a, an engagement in a particular area how long is that really gonna last i mean great well it sounds like a bunch of hippie stuff to me it's like everybody's well, gonna yeah. learn everything and everybody's yeah. gonna be happy and blah 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 says the guy that's from this isn't capitalism says the guy from colorado capitalism, capitalism says no colorado you, guy you, you individual you know you know you specialize you build a factory to specialize. So why, if that if that doesn't work now, what what's what changed? Right. So it's about engagement for me, and it's not just for me. It's based on the science. It's based on the fact that if I'm in a certain world that I'm in for a certain amount of time, am I really going to be interested in the infrastructure or mainframe or Java or whatever area that I'm in for a specific amount of time? <laughs> Am I really feeling like I'm fulfilled in what I'm doing? Are you if learning I, anything? I'm not learning anything. No, right? I'm just, I know. Right? I'm king of the world. I know yeah, I'm a king of the world, what I know, but, <coughs> and that makes sense from a performance management thing, which we'll get into like later on in uh, the next uh, section. Well, not the next section. Like the, so it has to be a balance. Yeah, yeah, it has to be a balance, but 
I'm actually kind of interested in this because when we're talking about engagement by team members, you know, how they actually equate to productivity. If you're going to be engaged, if I'm doing the same thing for, and we've been in, in a large enterprise companies, right? Greg and, and Jess, we had a large, large enterprise companies, big box, financial services, Asian PS, like all these different places. If I'm like a, a developer, a creative developer in a certain area, and I've been doing that for, let's just say five years. What, what is my tipping point where I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. I'm just, I'm literally doing the same thing over and over and over again. Right. Um, and for me, what's going to get me engaged? Right? Well, it's not your HR department. No, clearly. No, because no. they're not focused on <laughs> right. organizational development and all of those things. They're right. just, you're just, you're, you know what your path is and you know where you're going to go. So how, how does, how does, how does that transformation happen? Right. It's the problem solvers you know, because the, the, the debt that we talked about coming into the section, we are basically being told to, to say, this is how you're going to do things up to this point. And the, the tipping point of change of hell wait you and your team are going to be able to figure out how to solve this problem in the best way right and so based on that how are we going to then begin be engaged as a team not just an individual but how are we going to be in, engaged as a team to understand that so this is where I'm going to this is the one time greg sorry I'm going to nerd thing. I'm going to nerd thing based on previous podcasts. This is the engagement thing, which I think is is very important. So uh, let's listen in. You know, you know and, and to be truthful, the statistics back us up on this, right? Oh, God. Here we go. Here we There's go. There's going to be some nerd <laughs> stuff coming. Here it comes. But seriously, in a, in a recent Gallup poll, um, it, it showed that engaged employees, produce, and this is with like within the last year, not in the 1940s. Um, engaged employees produce better business outcomes than other employees across industry, company size, and nationality, and at good ep- economic times and bad. Business or working units that score in the top quartile of their organization and employment engagement have nearly double the odds of success. Specifically, highly engaged business units have 41% less absenteeism and 17% more productivity. With high turnover organizations, highly engaged business units experience 24% less turnover. Overall, the behaviors of highly engaged business units results in 21% greater profitability for the employer based on the Gallup poll. Okay, so I, engagement, what does that mean? I don't know I what that means. I just wrote that down. What does engagement I mean, mean? I wrote it down too. What engagement? And you wrote, you said engagement and profitability. No, so explain no. yourself. No, no, no. It's, it's engagement. Sir. No, it's engagement where this is what we're talking about in terms of this is the, the, the buildup to what we've gotten to right now. Where we're talking about creative, artistic developers. They're looking at how they're going to solve the problems of what their organization has laid out, Greg, from a vision standpoint. All right. Well, here's the thing. Every single enterprise company right now is talking about like, team engagement and we're we're gonna be whatever and mm-hmm. like they've changed all of their quote unquote values or whatever. Scrum butt. Scrum butt. Wait, Bratty they're bay? a sponsor. They are our sponsor. Do you remember Bratty that? Bay. They're our sponsor. Yeah, that's Scrum right. I remember now. 
CRM. But so what does actual engagement mean? And I think that comes down to leadership and like not, but. Yes. So I'm going to cut you off here a little bit and I apologize. I don't want to talk over you. However, I'm not engaged in this cutoff scenario. I'm on record. I'm not engaged in the before you scenario. cut me off. Okay. I will say that there's there's there are groups at many levels, every level that can help re-engage a team, even if there are leadership deficiencies gaps. or gaps, gaps. whatever gaps. Yes, yeah. that's much nicer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so. This is where we talked about where we, where we got to where we're at in terms of the way that things were delivered before, right? Which was a very much a, we have this date and we have, you know, these people that are going to do that. And, but they they actually didn't pay attention to, as Greg has said in many podcasts before, which we have some clips from, which is, you know, the, the team is the biggest cost factor, right? And that's where we kind of, you know, Greg's going to like talk to me about this. And this will be a podcast in like the next year, <coughs> which is the value stream concept, which is, you know, you basically have teams that are able to deliver what they're able to deliver in a reasonable amount of time. And what I would say to your question about whether they're able to say, we have these things that we need to deliver versus what the teams are. What I would say to that is, from a technology side, and we're going to get this into like the second part of the part two of this podcast is like from a DevOps and other thing. Like, are you going to invest in DevOps? Are you going to invest in things of automation? Are you going to invest in those things? Are you going to invest in things of broadening the skill set of your teams? To me, to be honest with you, based on past experiences, like being in sports teams, or whatever, that's a, that's a no brainer. Like if you're going to keep siloing people, and the truck factor that, uh, you know, our, our buddy, uh, you know, Regender talks about. You're talking about sports teams. You're talking about, like, investing in a pitching coach without investing in, like, physical therapy. Yeah, exactly. Why I mean, yeah. Nice I mean, one. Yeah. That was a good one. I know. She actually knows more about sports than I, I do. I think Why so. Get some athletic trainers in there. So. Yeah. 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 But you, you see where I'm coming from, right? Which is, yes, all these questions that you – You've had, Greg's had, and this is where we try to bring up these questions in this podcast that we have, right? Which is, yeah, it's very easy to say, be cross-functional. Okay, great. Why? What's the real benefit out of that? Why and how? Why and how, right? Right. And I think that, you know, we talked about the truck factor, which I love, by the way, right? Can we, can we trade that for like when the lottery factor, like somebody's just like, I'm never coming to work again. I just made a million dollars. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, dollars. the ability Williams of uh, developers, as, as Greg said, he lives in Texas. So I think truck factor is probably more effective, but um, you know, what we want to talk about is how as a team, do we really learn? Right. Do we, or is it like, we talked about that from a very technical standpoint, but how do we look at group learning from, a, you know, how we answer the questions and dynamics change between people within the team? And I actually, a little, little plug here, 
where uh, my wife, Carrie Overman, who was an IO psychologist. The gorgeous. Yeah. And incredibly brilliant. Yeah. Carrie. Yeah. She came on to our show and about IO psychology and agile. And she talked about uh, like group learning. And uh, surprisingly, uh, Greg agreed with her. She's all right. When I was going back in my day, I, I was trying to say back in undergrad, there was a professor I was studying in and, and really just it was studying how people's answers or dynamics change when there was an older person. So I was working with like ninth graders and seventh graders and then how when two seventh graders were paired together, they were better able to collaborate and didn't feel the pressure of um, saying something wrong or being timid in the in the presence of um, you know someone older or more experienced or a different po- personality. Maybe they were popular. Maybe they weren't. There were all these different variables that added to whether or not a group was able to effectively collaborate together. And so when you think about being a leader, you know, ha- not having too big of a voice, ensuring that you're um, making sure that maybe your your most timid brightest mind is speaking up or you know how are you facilitating the conversation in order for that to happen and that's really key for an effective group yeah and you know what carrie that absolutely um aligns with i worked in education for seven years and Mm -hmm. from k-12 and one of the one of the new kind of themes in education was was group learning Mm -hmm. and so we break kids into groups and it's exactly what you said they were always more effective when they were working in groups for exactly the things that you said and that's, you know, this is where we get into... Don't get me started. I know. He's, he's getting a little teary-eyed. So Greg, Greg has uh, a couple of stories from his, his, his uh, background. Well, I'll, I'll diverge from that a little bit for those 52 listeners that we have. <laughs> to say that, if you think about the way that... In, education if you think about it is is the basis for how we learn how to learn and so if you take that as the same way that it, that corporations take that model um it probably is not that effective because i'm not sure that the educational system is that effective yeah. to be honest with you and and one of those reasons is that again teachers teach and they teach from the front of the room, not the back of the room. And again, just as we're talking about group dynamics, group learning works far more effective. When students are working together <coughs> on cough medicines and various cough uh, she does have types of stuff, yeah. that thing, and more things like, like, like diseases that existed in the 1930s, like consumption. Or things like that, where people didn't recover. And they might not in this time period that I'm talking about. I'm hoping that's not happening, because I would not like an ambulance to come here. Right. But, but good God, we might have to like work on this, because she sounds not good. Um, but anyway, apparently she doesn't have consumption. She's back, but she does have some kind of 1930s disease. I'm pretty yeah. sure of that. Yeah. Um, but it's just tuberculosis. It's yeah. just tuberculosis, so yeah. no big deal. It's uh, not yeah. consumption. <laughs> consumption, just in the name of it, consumption. Yeah. Like, oh my god, it's like yeah. How can you recover? It sounds like one of the sins, right? So, so my one. point is this: that we, we see in the biggest <laughs> institution in our country, at least, 
how group learning has made a big impact over the last probably 10 years and how classrooms are organizing themselves around leadership at the back of the room, helping teams and students work together. It's no different than in the corporate world where we're saying, have the teams work together and build on that team structure. So this comes to something that we haven't talked about this year, but I'm actually interested for us to approach for next year, which is the back of the room training. Greg? Yep. And trust me, I spent a lot of time on there's a lot of good reading material for yeah. you, the research nerd boy yeah. out there about that that I can turn you on to. Yeah. As well. So I think the the concept of that without getting too deep into it. Well, and your parents, by the way, professors yeah, and two they've professors. been involved yeah. in this for the long time and I think they would agree. Well, at the same time, they're both in the front of the room. True, but they well. By the way, that's let's have them on at the yeah, beginning of next year. That. Let's, yeah, let's, let's have do them that. On that would be amazing in terms of teaching. Yeah, um, not that they're the end all be all of teaching, but uh, yeah, I think you know, for what we're trying to review from the past year, um, we kind of also want to between group learning, we also want to talk about group dynamics and how can you try to measure that with a team. So we're going to play another clip and uh, see what you guys think about that. Yeah, there's different assessments that can measure, you know, just as you can measure IQ, you can measure EQ, and just your responses to situational or scenarios that are presented to you. And regardless of the fact, there's usually not always an alignment. So maybe there's fewer developers that have the emotional intelligence, and that might just be a deficit that you're going to have to work with, right? Or it might not so, be a deficit. It might just or, be what they are, and you build a team around the fact that they may be introverted, but they're brilliant. And so in, in well, that... introversion and EQ are not synonymous. Like, that's not... So I want to be clear on that, that someone that's introverted could be the most emotionally intelligent and be observing and really taking in everything that's going on and guarding their reactions very carefully and only speaking when relevant or to, you know, really that. How, how so, dare you correct me on my own podcast? Well, I'm sorry, but yeah, no, but, but I just that's want like to be very fair. Paper. That's a, that's a di very different meaning. Someone that, and to be honest, a lot of people that are very outspoken suffer with emotional intelligence. And that's usually where you have the most destructive behavior where someone might be very, curt or direct or, or and that might not even be a sign of lack of emotional intelligence it might be a cultural influence right that's mm -hmm. coming in that you have to factor in as well her bit there might be the most important thing that we did the whole year because it's easy to categorize these people as yeah. developers as oh they're antisocial they stopped growing emotionally at 14 years old or whatever and the culturally that's, the cultural thing right? yes I it's mean. not true and and i think what carrie pointed out and by the way that was a lesson for me was really important and that's you know part of the reason you i love this out. you're like stop, i did stop, get, stop stop like trying to like you know I did get Call called out. out. I did get podcast. called out. Yeah. But by the way, I hope this is an example of me personally in this yeah. podcast showing I learned a lot during this last year yeah. by having people with 
various backgrounds and different perspectives mm-hmm. come in and help educate me on how things are. We all read the same books. We all have the same certifications, blah, 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 whatever it is. But bringing in people from different perspectives, yeah. different you know, uh, corporate backgrounds, whatever, really, I think, is part of what we're trying to do here with this with this podcast. And that was, again, that was a learning yeah. moment for me. And yes, I got beat down. But you know what? I came back strong. You kind of did, but well, you know, it's yeah, Carrie. Okay, good point. So it's my wife. Good so point. that's a good point. Yeah, he's kind of scared of my wife. I am. Yeah, she was right. Yeah, because he's right all She's the time. Well, brilliant. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think the beyond like my wife being much smarter than my co-host, not my She's other co, too. not my other co-host, but my co-host. <laughs> all of your co-hosts. Yeah. Like. No, but. Uh, Part of that that was really interesting to me is that this concept of the emotional intelligence and how that can be looked at in a variety of ways. You know, there's a lot of uh, assessments, and as Carrie said in like that clip, there's a lot of different assessments and how you can evaluate that, and, and you can look at different people. I think that is not meant to be a way of looking at someone that scores in a certain way in an assessment and saying, Oh, that's them. Because like in that, in that particular uh, podcast, the IO psychology and agile later on the podcast, there is a particular thing where she talks about, which is that assessments are not the end all be all of how you look at someone. Right. I agree with, right. She's, she's saying that there's a science behind it, but the truth is, and, there's part of that podcast where she looks at Greg and I where, you know, we have a certain level of skill to look at a room and look at someone and say, yeah, we have a certain feel for what they're doing, but a lot of people don't have that. So what do you do with that? Right. What do you do with that situation where you cannot actually look at a room and understand that? Well, it's about basically, building an ecosystem of people who have different strengths, different skills, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different everything. Like, And building a team means building a team. It isn't just, oh, I'm going to put the smartest people in a room and those, all those, you know, particularly, you know, their ethnic ethnicities the same or whatever, <laughs> or they tend to cough a lot, um, whatever, That's me. you know, they, they, but the point is bringing together the people. And I think Carrie's point was bringing together the right yeah. mix of people so yeah. that you get the right skill set, the right emotional balance, the right, right. leadership, everything. Right. And that's, yeah, that's I important. think bringing the right people together, but with the understanding that if they have a certain level of things that they're not as strong at, if you have the leadership that has to understand that from the beginning. And, but what I said was not as strong at, it's just different. It's like putting yeah. the pieces together. Right. Right. I think right. that's the most important thing that Carrie was stressing was putting all the pieces together because it doesn't mean there's a weakness or a strength on one side or the other. It means that if you put the right people together, then you have a very strong team. So for instance, you are weak in <coughs> many areas. Yeah. Clothing. Like, I mean, there's a lot of, we could, we don't want to go into the list, you know, Yeah. Jess, you, we, we don't even know where you are. You're a mess. 
I'm the the, the <laughs> lead. Like the I, I got the most. Yeah, you know, the I'm the most put together. Uniform he's on, got a yeah. vest on. So, so I got a sweater vest. Yeah. Feeling good. Feeling confident. Yeah. You know. Ah, yeah. so but you know. I'm not going to dismiss Jess and her coughing. I'm not going to dismiss Brandon. But the point is this. It's like, it's like, it's exactly what Carrie said. It's not about who's better or worse or who's more talented or not, who's more skilled or not. It's about putting the right team together. And so that that's kind of an interesting thing that we've talked about in a previous podcast about how teams maybe think of themselves. Right? Yeah. Um, and from a, a clip from our podcast about building teams over individuals with uh, C. Thomas and our buddy uh, uh, Danny Lopez, Danny Dojo, we like to call him, we looked at it compared to sports types and how teams look at themselves uh, as specialists in a world versus a, a team world. So let's uh, listen to that. One of the one of the analogies that I frequently use with like a waterfall team is that they have come from an environment where instead of thinking themselves as like a basketball team or something that has to be tightly integrated, they've thought of themselves as we're a team, but it's a, like a wrestling team or a diving team. Mm. Each one of us has our specialties and our coach has helped us individually and given us kind of a team camaraderie, but that's that's the extent of it. And so as a coach working with a team that's transitioning from a team of specialists, superstar specialists, which requires one type of coach into a, te- a team that's really has to work together in a tight fashion, how would you expect, how are you gonna help those people make that transition? I love that comparison. So uh, an old, an analogy that we can use for an, uh, a basketball team here, the old school, like the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe, let's say, for instance. Back then you oh, had Kobe. Kobe. You, Shaq and Kobe. Greatest player of all time. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. Greatest player of all time. Better than Michael, for sure. <laughs> so back then you would have a, a, a center, Shaquille O'Neal, right? He, could, he was really one-dimensional. He would get down on the block. He was pretty much just running guys over and dunking. That was his one role on the floor. You have guys like Derek Fisher. He was just pretty much shooting threes off. Kind of like what you were saying, Steve, like specialists in a way. That was the more the, the older mentality of the NBA. Today, you have a really cross-functional team. You have guys like Kevin Durant that can play any position on the floor. Essentially, if one person goes out, there's another guy on the bench that can come in and do the exact same thing and pick up right where they left off. I think you're starting to see that a lot more now in, in the agile environment. We want to build those cross-functional teams. If someone misses a day at work, they go out on vacation, there's someone that's right behind them that can pick back you know, right where they left off, essentially. And that's like the only good thing about that podcast that we can use. Because you know, we so that was actually drunk. really good. We were so drunk for that podcast, right? But like, you know, but besides the fact that he was like, "Oh yeah, Kobe," and like you're like doing the whole Kobe thing over I'm Michael. Sorry, what? Yeah, I know. Michael, I'll, come I on. mean, come on. I, all I'm going to say is the point was made, and it was a good point. Thank you, Danny D. The but end point. The end point. The end point was good, but the journey there was also good as well. And I think it goes back to what you're talking about is how we build a team, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean I mean I think it is, you know, looking at the evolution of from a whether it's a sports perspective or it's a software development perspective, what have you. 
we're going to have the way that things were done before. And that's why I wanted to have like that whole debt thing in our second section, right? Because I think the reality that we have to deal with on a regular basis is from a personality standpoint, from a workflow standpoint, from a budgeting standpoint, Greg, right? Yeah. From a, you know, there is really no true understanding of a product management level because it's all projects up to this point. We're dealing with a whole new world. Yeah, we are. And on the list here is quality, culture, and organizational citizenship, which I don't know if we can get through those uh, three massive topics. Wow. Um, because those are three oh. things, again, that... Um, like multiple podcasts. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I know that we've got clips on those, right? So Well, I mean, the quote, the, so we're going to get innovation stuff. We kind of have to play that because it's probably the one time that Greg said something that I was like, damn it. I have to, that was like, I was very inspired about what he had to say. Right. But uh, based on what we were talking about in terms of, you know, what Steve said in terms of from the waterfall command and control, we were the, the wrestling team. We were like very much specialists. We kind of talked up to this versus what Danny was talking about in terms of it's changed in terms of we all have to switch and we all have to have like that cross-functional stuff. But how do we, we succeed as a team? Yeah. How, yeah. Do, we, how do we succeed as a team? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and the important part of that is how do we actually get inspired in what we're doing? Because if we're going to be mm -hmm. creative developers, they talked about at the beginning of the section. How do we actually get inspired? And I think this next clip actually really points to that. Look, we talked about the Google X Labs thing mm -hmm. where they set aside innovation and they have a totally side, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's basically a side project. Most people don't work on side projects. Most people work on things that make the company money. Quality is something that is doesn't sit outside. Innovation is something that doesn't sit, in my opinion, doesn't sit outside. It has to be built in. When you say quality is built into the team and team owns quality, it means that when a developer develops something, they have, even though they don't want to because we know developers, they hand that over to whatever quality team that's going to try to break it. They know their code is sound, solid, and good. It has nothing to do with their code. That's the, because the team owns quality. The, yeah. the quality team... Some people call them testers. I don't like that term. The quality team is looking for outliers. They're looking for how to break it, how to how to move it. Innovation is the same way. Innovation should come from the lowest level developer who says, you know, I haven't been here very long. I don't really know how you guys work, but it seems like you guys are not doing it the right way. What if we did it this way? Innovation comes from the innocent ideas a lot of times, not some gigantic corporate initiative, right? Innovation... Startups are startups for a reason. It's because somebody had an idea and they're like, hey, what about this? Bootstrap kind of initiatives always work much better than corporate initiatives for innovation. And quality is the same, right? And product roadmaps kind of play into that. It's not a separate, oh, we're going to have a separate roadmap for quality. We're going to have a separate roadmap for innovation. No, the roadmap should assume those things are in place. So I'm going to cry right now because yeah. I will tell you, I believe in, and that, that, those are innovation comes from the innocent ideas is something that probably 
I, it's very hard for me just to give like the credit here right now, but probably it was one of my favorite small little quotes. And that ironically, it was like just me and him. It was like, this is the roadmaps, like building our Marauders map. Was so that, perfect. that was a podcast because there was like a bunch of like Harry Potter stuff that I tried to make interesting because I had like no, a bunch I'm of sorry. Harry Potter Innovation quotes. comes from innocent ideas. Yeah. Just well, the simplest, how do we help people? Well, I know. And I, I think the point I was trying to make is more about setting a team up to, to for everybody to be honest, yes. everybody to have a voice, right? And whether that's a, a person who's a contractor on your team from some other culture, everybody should have a voice because everybody has a good idea. and Or everybody could have a good idea. Not everybody has a good idea. Everybody could have a good idea. Yeah. And right, allow well, them to have the voice to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of gets us to the last point that I wanted to cover in this particular section as we're wrapping up the part one of our uh, retrospective on perspective. Is that if you're able to get those innocent ideas from the people that people are actually not looking from the innovative stuff from. What what is creating that culture where that actually happens? And there's this whole concept within. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, I was, yes, yes. Sorry, because you're yes. on the roll. Everyone, okay, go, is go, coughing go, go, this. go, go. Yes, get it back. wasn't me. Get back. Get back. So sorry, great. sorry. But go. it's this whole concept within the conversation that we have with Carrie, right? Which is yep. this whole idea Agreed. of Agreed. this organizational citizenship. Yes. And we didn't bring that up that, I mean, I think that is a term that hopefully we can use it before it uses us at this point, because it's new. It's new. And I think we should. Management debt is probably going to get overused as soon as like this podcast gets popular, which it will, because. I'm going to be such a jerk about this. Organizational. Citizenship. Yes. Doesn't just involve, I've never been a part of an organization that is, that has so such a difference between internal and external. Yeah. And organizational organizational citizenship speaking mm. words has to involve everyone and has to be inclusive of everyone. So one team, one dream. Baby. Okay. Like, so let's let's just ask the question because everything you just said was true. Mm. But how do you do that? Who who can provide the opportunity to have that sort of organizational citizenship where where, I I would use the word vision, but where does that have to come from? Sure. I think it's a culture thing and I think it depends on where you are. Right. So we're, we're a much smaller group within like the, the coaching community that we're in. You're part of this podcast, right? Yeah. You're, you're here at, you know, nine o'clock at night on a Wednesday. In the heartland, in in Apollo 13 studio. In Apollo 13 studio. Not because Greg and I had any pressure on you, because you were like, hey, I'm really into this, right? Right. Like, we want to have these conversations. So with that in mind, I'm going to play this clip, and we can come back to it. Your question on the other end. And I think organizational citizenship is not something that's regularly talked about in our world, Greg. It's It's not a... I didn't even hear about it until just now. Yeah, and I think... It's it's a it's a fantastic idea uh, or concept, you know. I think that you know Greg and I came up with this idea to do a podcast just out of nowhere, 
because with Christy because we were at a bar and said, "Hey, we're having great conversation, and we're just gonna do this on our own time." Yeah, and we were talking about things that, that typically don't get talked about. And Christy, where is she, by the way? <laughs> She's still in Australia. She she never even showed up for any of these things. But anyway, but but I agree with you. We, we this is one idea that we said we're gonna take on. We're gonna fund it ourselves. Um, you know, but in this, it, just in the spirit of, of, of trying to show people, if you have a good idea, go out and do it. I mean, it's, right. it's an entrepreneurial spirit. And that's the idea. That's just it. That's it's, it. That's, that is exactly it. That's right. Like, it doesn't matter what client you're on. Like, you're trying to do the best for whatever company that you're working with. Whether you're, quote unquote, internal or external. Like, the whole point is to help people be better, Right. No matter no matter where you are, and it starts with our team, right? I mean, yeah. we're, we're doing this, and our podcast is primarily this year was dominated by our team. You know why? Because we had this concept that we thought might be good. We had a trash can that opens and closes based on where you've the got cat some is. silver screening. Yeah, we've got those things going on. But but honestly, it was it was really about, and it, this is. A passion of mine, which is to say, if you gather good people around you, which is typically the case, it's mostly the case you're going to have good people around you, you can inspire them to do amazing things that helps not only you, not only them, but also an organization, which goes back to our diapers and shoes thing, which is they can make a good living doing good work right the and best that work. Can, and the best work and getting an organization to move forward in the best way possible and we look at the companies that do a great job at that and I won't mention them but they but they they do that right and so but we have to start that it, it's not your manager who's going to tell you to do that right it's not your vp that's going to tell you to do that you're going to do that on your own that's what we're doing here nobody right asked us to do this brandon and i spent our own money figuring this thing out and it might suck but it's so what we're gonna just do it these microphones are fancy yeah they are i mean i and uh, to kind of wrap it up is that we're doing a retrospective on our perspective mm. and i think for this first part i think we did a good job in terms of you know how we recognized what our original mission was greg in terms of you know, making sure that terms that, you know, maybe using us more than we're, we're using them. Yeah. And right? we did it for one year, by yeah. the way. One yeah. whole year and spent our own money on doing it. So right. we're committed. We're in. We're all in. Yeah. Well, exactly. you guys are. Yeah. I just showed up. <laughs> Even with coffers. Yeah. But, I mean, I think... You know, but I have a great hat dash. Oh, oh yeah, that does. We forgot about the other guest. <laughs> we, we never talked to her today. <laughs> Well, we always have Connie. Connie's in She's our hearts and minds. She's there in the background. Always in our hearts and minds. <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, kind of looking into going into the part two we want to talk about uh, in our next section, I think that the, the, the way that we wanted to look at this going into it was, hey, this was our original mission, and we have to understand where our clients, where agile is, where command and control is like, we're, we're within the spectrum of what's really going on. And, you know, we can talk about as much as we want to say, well, meet them where they're at. We're going to be people that understand where they're coming from, but there's also 
what we're going to talk about in future podcasts uh, is where does that all kind of meld in together outside of like what we just talked about with the teams? Because the teams, if you're going to talk top down, bottom up, the teams are the people that are actually, as you've said many times, Greg, they're the main cost center, right? They're the main people that are going to actually deliver what you're supposed to do, right? And they're going to be the ones that, depending on how you approach it, based on what we talked about today, are they the creative? Are we making them the creatives that they really are and want to be? Or are we uh, kind of looking at them and saying, you know, you are silent in your thing. We're not going to do pair program. We're not going to say that here's you're going to. Here's how you're going to do what you're going to do. Right. Versus. Versus anything else. And, you know, as we've said from the, the debt, like some some of those people on the teams, that's what they're used to. So where is that transition? Where is that tipping point? Where is that ability as what we're trying to do as coaches to say, we're going to try and transform. We're going to use the transformation, Greg, in a good way. How are we going to transform the way that you're looking at things in a – it's the grind, Greg. You've talked about it many times. It's the grind. Let's chip away. Let's like we're not going to say we're going to get everything done at a particular time. Well, and I don't think we're. I wouldn't say that we'd even be considered coaches. We're we're people who are trying to. Because I don't know what that word even means. To yeah. be honest with you, I, I and maybe that's one of our. Well, great, you're very non-athletic. So like, that's fine. well, that's true, but. I also think at the beginning oh of the year we should gosh. probably talk. Well, that that's true, but I I don't even know what a coach is. I I would prefer to think that I work actually on the team, at the people who are employing me, to be a part of their like player embrace coach. myself. Player coach. Like, and I, I'm not I'm not like you're gonna be part of it. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm I am in. I'm all in. Like I said, tell me what you do. Like let me let me play with you. I need to learn your business. Yep. I need to learn the personalities. I need to do. I need, I need to, to in invest there. myself entirely into what you're doing, yep. and I think that's what we're trying to do and what we're trying to talk this about. Trying to get into and like it's it's that I 100 percent agree with Greg, but I feel like that's almost an easy way of convert. You know, talking about that conversation too. Yeah, well, I'll just tell you, if I'm buying it, because I've spent millions of dollars on consulting in the past, yeah. I want me. Right. I want somebody who's invested, who's in, all in, going to help me. not to laugh. And She's, I want somebody I want who's going to give me I some results. Me. I want me. Because I'm not. By the way. This I don't want guy. some, eh, maybe Pamby, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to show you my, oh, my transformation model. Let me just give you my transformation this model. This is the guy who, yeah. like, spent, like, <laughs> A lot of money on consultants come in to basically tell them like, yeah, you're too involved. So yeah, too involved or you suck, blah blah blah. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm gonna do it myself. That's yeah. what I did. Yeah. So yeah, there's there you that. go. All right. And now so, you have a podcast. There you go. <laughs> so that's a that. crappy and, podcast that 50 right. people listen to. So that's the end of uh, crappy. Watch your. I'm just mouth saying. You song. started this fight, young lady. <laughs> Sir, you are in the Apollo 13. Oh, now you I'm gonna have to eat hot dish. Yourself. It's gonna yeah, be horrible. Yeah. Actually, oh my god! Imagine what, if you had to actually sleep that, in here. Well, the, can you imagine <laughs> that, was hot, like, that was like your punishment? Can you like, imagine you the hot, was asleep in a ball of thirteen? Can you imagine the hot With dish the inside of all of this off. like oh, silver around it? The problem. Yeah, the hot dish would be like <laughs> super hot. Hot. So we're gonna. So we've made this whole, the whole like, thing, the whole thing very awkward and yeah. probably way, doesn't smell well. Ending best for me, just so you know. <laughs> All right, so we're ending part one of our 
Check yourself before you wreck yourself. A retrospective on perspective. Uh, retrospective can... being no more. Yeah. No, but, no, thank But you. in part two, we'll be uh, listening to some more clips. And we'll talk me. through. <laughs> we might we can, come back. How we can better use automation and data. Stronger oh, clarity stuff. on oh, geez, that product exciting. management and marketing, Greg. <laughs> And avoiding the misuse of the overall oh, geez, term said. transformation. Said, oh, geez. It's because of you. It's your influence on me. Yeah. By the way, the misuse oh, of the overall term transformation. So now a transformation sticker. Transformation. Yeah. To <laughs> really make a word. difference in how agile can be used for good. Yes. And mm. not evil. Very serious conversation. Yeah. Hooray, God. All right. So, everyone, uh, as I you, you regularly know, uh, before we fall <laughs> completely apart, uh, send your emails to uh, feedback at agileafterdark.com. And if you want Craig to stop laughing like a schoolgirl, <laughs> send that to Rance. It's her fault. Rance her at fault. agileafterdark.com. We'll see you uh, for part two. Bye. So for the break, I have two clips from uh, Greg doing his whole uh, Are We Robots stuff. Yeah. Um, which is which is pretty amazing. Um, you know, are people like robots? And let's just like listen to see whether there's some uh, similarities in the arguments here. So, you know, at least you might be consistent in his rants. Um, and we can get into later about how your own personal life doesn't work in five year increments, right? As human beings, we all act, we all act agile. But then when we come to work, we t tend to act like robots. And maybe that's another topic for later. Again, this is what I would say at home, your kids never do what they say they're going to do. And your vacation gets ruined because something happens and your garage door doesn't open one morning and you have to get your car fixed or whatever, you get a flat tire. And that's just the human condition. When we come to work, we think, well, everything should just work robotically at work. And so we treat it differently. But really work is just a whole bunch of humans trying to get things done. It's like, no different. Kids can like bust through the door right now. And like, right now. <laughs> and we're watching to make sure that doesn't happen. So we, we know that that might happen at any point in time. So what 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 sort of family trip did you have? <laughs> like you know. Everything went to shit. And you were like, we're not robots. We're agile. Almost everyone, Brandon. So that's why I'm saying this. This is what's driving this point home. Every trip I've had with my family has ended in almost utter disaster <laughs> however we lived and thrived at the end of the journey okay so yes it is true and it's a valid metaphor or a simile what would it be i don't know i don't know, I don't know. but your trips must suck it's they're not very positive they're, they're like your garage learning experiences here's the thing pets like the, did not the, die the, along the yes, way right, okay right, so, so there's no pets that have died along the way I know, but well, they you have guys not take died. Pets. You along always the have way. to take pets. I have to it's, take pets along true. the way. Yeah. So that there's no, but everybody has to adapt, and everybody has a different <laughs> point of view, and everybody does not have eat the same food, and everybody has to. Oh my God, why am I living this life? I'm mean, thinking about it. Nobody gets along. Everybody has a different need in every category, and so. So, Greg, if you're how a project, do you prioritize? If, you, if you're a project manager, you'd be able to be like, "You're not following the plan." <laughs> no, they're like, mm -hmm. no, you're a coach, Dad. You're no. able to deal with this. You know what? The best thing to do, the you just, just like, you... prioritize. Don't worry about it. Yeah. No, you have the underlings. <laughs> go the get deal. a bucket of ice, and then you sit We're because you went to the liquor 
store before and you just drink and let them figure it out. That's how you do it. Sunny. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. And you That's just sunny. let them figure it out. And so, and guess what? They do. They figure it out. Me as the executive sitting in my bed, just Fair hanging enough. out, waiting for it to Fair happen. Enough. They all figure it out. This Somehow. That's why he's a product manager. He's like, now, I'm a product manager. Hey, listen. I've, I planned this whole trip. You guys I, fight I, it I, out. I have this to the end. You guys all figure I'm it out. I'm paying for it. Yeah. And... The only exception. Here's the funding. The ex- you figure it the out. The exception is the dog has to stay with me in the room while they go get their food situation sorted thing, out, yeah. and I got to listen to the dog whine because everybody left. So, <laughs> I, so that's the finance guy. Like I got to deal with the finance guy whining at the door because where are all the resources? What happened to our people? What's we going on? I don't go. know. Oh. <laughs> 